0: On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, we look at the NHL playoffs from the point of view of a Canucks fan. And guys, it's pretty funny. (laughs) Then we also take a look at Bruce Boudreaux and how it's pretty much a foregone conclusion now that he will be back as Canucks head coach. And of course, it is another day, another installment of the greatest Canucks series. It is Locked On Canucks and it starts right now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, people. How are you doing on today, Thursday, May the 12th? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Pooney. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at underscore process sports, please like and subscribe to our youtube channel and of course thank you for making locked on canucks your first listen of the day we are free and of course available wherever you get your podcasting services guys it was what a crazy day in the world of hockey tonight um of course you know there's gonna be three game sevens i just finished what those of you not what, Gonna to listen to tomorrow morning or whatever. Um, just finishing after the Edmonton Oilers just defeated the Los Angeles Kings, uh, to force game seven. And Evander Kane, for those of you watching on YouTube, throw up the uh, seven celebration, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Not only does he have seven goals in the series, but now it's going to be going to game seven, which um, I thought was really telling and it shows uh, that cockiness, bravado that hockey needs. Um, that is besides the point, but. That is going to Game 7. Boston, Carolina is going to Game 7 after the Bruins thumped the Hurricanes 5-2 and they go back to Raleigh for Game 7. And the biggest one of them. (laughs) The Toronto Maple Leafs (laughs) lose in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning and they go back to Toronto for Game 7. I don't know what it is, but the Leafs in Game 7, I, <laughs> I have no idea how to explain it, guys. I think it's it, it's just so poetic how this is the Leafs' year. This is their season. They know the most wins, most points. Matthew, 60 goals. They go up against the defending, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and they still have to go seven games. I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um it the Leafs have been the better team this series. If you look at the entirety of the series, the Leafs have been the better team this series. I know it's crazy to come out of my mouth, but being objective, the Leafs have been the best team in this series. And the fact that it's gone seven games just shows you their just shows you the mental fortitude of this team. and now they go back to the pressure cooker. In Toronto. So, okay, let me get to the main point of this segment. As we all know, us Canucks fans, we love to look at other Canadian markets and see their pain because it makes us feel happy on the inside because we are not in the playoffs this year, of course. So, we like to see Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary all falter. Um, and quite frankly, um, <laughs> I think seeing the Leafs struggle so hard to get out of the first round. It brings me more joy than almost anything else. As a, like I, I, you guys have all known, I won that big rant about the Leafs the other day, uh, last week, about how much I hate them and stuff like that. But it just it's just hilarious. I see just these fans just so upset and so distraught and so you know upset. But also I love it because they're so cocky and they're so delusional and they're so. Abrasive towards their team, which like, hey, we all defend our team like no tomorrow. But as a Canucks fan, don't you think like we know what the second round feels like? We know what the Stanley Cup Finals feels like uh, when TV had color, right? Like we know what it feels like. People that are listening to this right now, I'm sure maybe a lot of you know. Remember 2011? Like it was yesterday. I remember 2011 like it was yesterday. Those of you that are older remember 94. Some of you even older now remember 1982. Even if you're a new Canucks fan, you know what the second round feels like, because the Canucks were just there a couple years ago, back in the bubble against Vegas, Game Seven against Vegas, one one away from the conference finals. Right? We know what it feels like. Then you even, but you know what? Also, as a Canucks fan that gets lost in the shuffle is that the fact that the Oilers haven't made it past the second round since 2006. Now the Leafs has been 2004. But the Oilers are not that far behind them. The Oilers. No, so excuse me. I take that back. Fact check. The Oilers did make the second round against Anaheim. That's when Ryan Kessler, of course, former Canuck, put his hand on the pad and uh, and uh, the goalie interference and Cam Talb. Yeah, I, I take that back. Wow. Uh, that changes my whole argument. <laughs> no. Um, but seriously, I just think it's it's funny looking at it from a Canucks fan point of view that is it really that bad for us? Is it really that bad? Let me ask you this: Would you rather never make it past the first round in eighteen years, or be going through this six six year cycle that the Canucks were going are going through? But knowing what you've known, that hey, Canucks made the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, one round in twenty twenty, Presidents Trophy winners. Um, you know, the years prior to that, one rounds made, got knocked out by Chicago, um, but we're there, and. Or would you rather have the Leafs and consistently lose in the first round every year? That's an interesting question. For me, of course, I'm taking the Canucks. Uh, just not getting past the first round is just agonizing and destructive. And quite frankly, when you have that much talent, the Leafs have, it just doesn't make any sense. Or would you rather be Edmonton, who has the most talented players, two top two players in the world, in my personal opinion, but again, have zero playoff success? I It just it doesn't make sense. Then you look at Calgary. What's Calgary really done post-lockout? Nothing. It's Ottawa. Ottawa's had a few nice playoff fronts here and there. Same in Montreal. But when you look at the grand scheme of Canadian NHL teams, post-lockout, post, you know, pre-2000. So sorry, post-2000, this new millennium. The Canucks, quite frankly, might be the most successful team. If you look at it, right? 01 playoffs, 02 playoffs, 03 playoffs, 04, not 0, not 06, but 07 playoffs, not 08, but 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you miss, 15, you're back in the playoffs, 16, 17, 18, 19, you miss, but 20, you're back, you win around, and then you go through it, you know. If you think about it, right, the Leafs went through that massive period under Brian Burke they didn't make the playoffs. The Oilers went through a long stretch where they didn't make the playoffs. The Flames have gone through stretches where they have not been in the playoffs. The Senators are in a rebuild. The Canadians have been been horrible, but they made the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Like When you look at it, right, it's not really that bad in the grand scheme of things. The Canucks, quite frankly, might be the most successful team, Canadian team, excuse me, in the last 20 years. It's. A, they've had two Hall of Fame players. They've had a Hall of Fame goalie. You know we've had great times, and I think we tend to forget that because we look forward. But let's pump the brakes a little bit. Canucks aren't in that bad of a spot, and I just I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my positive thinking, but I seriously I think it's not that bad. If you told me, you could have a Leafs fan perspective or a Canucks fan perspective over the last. 18 years i'm taking the canucks fan perspective the whole way we have a stanley cup finals run sure we missed the playoffs right but we've won playoff rounds we've had extended runs we've had great players come through here i'm taking the canucks if you ask me the oilers i'm taking the canucks path asking the flames taking the canucks path maybe ottawa or montreal but then again it's kind of both teams have all three teams have made the finals You know, Ottawa had a couple more extended playoff runs. Same Montreal, a couple Eastern Conference finals. But seriously, like, if you look at it, the Canucks' history-wise, yes, we don't have a cup, but over the last twenty years, the Canucks have been one of the most successful, probably the most successful team in Canada. Excuse me, and I'm willing to debate anybody on that. The Canucks have been the most successful team um, in Canada. So. Looking at the NHL playoffs and seeing all these fan bases fight each other and freak out, I'm kind of just sitting back eating my popcorn kind of enjoying it, being like, hey, Toronto's just dying to get out of the first round. We know what that feels like. Edmonton doesn't know is struggling to just get out of the first round. They've had playoff struggles every the last couple of years. I'm just sitting here eating my popcorn, like, hey, like that's I'm enjoying because I know what it feels like. But then again, if you ask me. If would I rather be sitting at home right now or be in the playoffs? Of course, I'd rather be in the playoffs. But um, that's just my positive thinking and my deluded mind thinking as a Canucks fan. So uh, I just want you know that an interesting point of view to get across. So coming up after the break, we're going to dive into our greatest Canucks series and touch on the most prominent power forward and another member of the West Coast Express in Canucks history. But first, I want to talk to you about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a product that I use every day because I needed more energy and better gut health and an optimized immune system. I hate taking pills and vitamins. I want to take something that actually tastes great and I want to see what the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens Ones, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things that are important. I Again, like I said, I take it because I need a lot of energy in my day. I literally wake up at 10 a.m., not even 10 a.m., I wake up at 9 a.m. and go to bed at 2 a.m. maybe, so I'm up a lot. I need a lot of energy, um, and it helps. It tastes good as well. Um, It just tastes so smooth. tastes kind of tropical, and it just tastes like like your favorite juice when you had it as a kid. Um, And I bring it when I travel, too, because I need the energy at all times. Uh, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than the cold brew habit that you all have. It's cheaper than getting different supplements, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutrient insurance. I thought has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes trusted leading health official experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition with just one scoop in a water, cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look up for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up your ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Lockdown Canucks. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, check out the guys at Locked On NHL. They got nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from local experts. It's free, of course, and available wherever you get your podcast services. So, guys as you guys heard about that little soliloquy went on talking about how it's not that bad being a Canucks fan and how it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay to, um, to, it's okay to not be in the playoffs this year, but it's also funny to see these teams struggle so much because they don't know what it's like to get a past the first round and I'm throwing shit all you Leaf fans out there. But in this block of the show, we are going to talk about, of course, our greatest Canucks series. But yesterday, we talked about my favorite Canuck of all time, the captain, Marcus Naslin. I went on that big, huge thing about no-slander Naslin, which is true. This is a no-slander Naslin zone. Today, I'm going to talk about his linemate and Patel, probably his best friend on that team, number 44, Todd Bertuzzi. Now, Bertuzzi is a very interesting, I mean, Bertuzzi, is just a so the Bertuzzi story in Vancouver is so complex, so deep, so many layers to it that it's hard for me to get it in in just this. But just to kind of encompass the whole Bertuzzi thing was he came in from New York in a trade with for Brian McCabe, former leaf, <laughs> um, to Vancouver, and you saw him develop into the best power forward in the NHL. He scored 97 points one year. You know Bertuzzi was a locomotive out there in the ice. You saw that number forty-four just steaming down the ice. Just I remember that one series against Detroit. Um, I was really young and I didn't really know much about body checking and stuff like that, but I saw Bertuzzi just crush Chris Chelios into the boards and crush, you know, defenseman into the boards on the forecheck. And I thought that was amazing because the glass would be shattered, the rattling everywhere, and the crowd would go wild. And that's what Todd Bertuzzi was. When Todd Bertuzzi was at the peak of his game, he was nasty. He was mean. He would, you know, he was. He had this speed and the size and the hit, but also he had such soft hands for guys that big. You know, when he would get in tight, he would have the hands to you know lift the puck up, you know, make a move in tight. I remember his shootout move. He would go in nice and slow, drag the puck in and make a quick move and di- triple backhand deep. Right, Todd Bertuzzi. Um, that was one of his most underrated skills was his hands. His hands were so soft. Um, he was ability to just make moves in tight space for a guy that size. That's very difficult to make. And when Todd Bertuzzi was at his peak, um, he was one of the, no, not even one of the preeminent power forward in the NHL. And I think people tend to forget about that because that era in the NHL as, um, was known as the dead puck era, right? And that was when goals weren't, you know, basically, that's when the lockout hit. That's why they had all those rule changes because you could not score. Bertuzzi was what six foot three, two hundred and forty-six pounds, coming down on you in the four. That would be such an opposing thing for uh, four. Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Four defensemen. Look, you know, in two 2000s first real full season in Vancouver you know he's played 80 games scored 25 goals and he scored 25 the next year then he has scored 36 in 02 and then in 03 the same year Nazemun and Lester Pearson where he scored 46 goals a very 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 good number for Todd Bertuzzi and now I guess that's during the dead puck era and if you were to extrapolate those numbers that probably would be like a buck 20 points in today's NHL, maybe not a buck twenty, but like a buck ten and probably like fifty plus goals in this NHL because there was no there was hooking, there was holding, there was a two line pass. It was a different game then. And Bertuzzi still racked up 46 goals. Then of course in 03 04 the um, tragic incident that happened with Steve Moore um transpired. And after that he only really had one more year left um in Vancouver. Oh five oh six, he had twenty five goals, um, but you know by that point in time, you kind of knew the writing was on the wall that he was done. Um, he wasn't going to come back after that and play with the Canucks, and it was just it was time to move on. And you know they were able to trade him off and get a bigger piece in Roberto Luongo. But I just want to strictly focus. I don't want to talk about the whole Steve Moore incident because we all know. Oh, it was a tragic, tragic incident, one of the darkest moments in NHL history. But, um, I just want to touch like what I mean. Like, Todd Bertuzzi during his tenure with the Vancouver Canucks was one of the greatest power forwards in the game, and I think, quite frankly, the best power forward in Canucks history. People might say, Oh, well, Cam Neely, well, Cam Neely didn't play very long, and you look at the just the guy that had played that power game when Bertuzzi was playing at his eyes. He would take the puck wide, use his body, shield off, drive to the net, either dish off to Naslund or score. Right, He had that power move, those power moves that you need. Stuff that we wish, like other certain power forwards in the Canucks, like a Taylor Pyatt or all these other guys in the Canucks have to get that just didn't have the same skill set to play that power game. And I don't know why I brought up Taylor Pyatt, to be honest with you, because he was not even into all Bertuzzi's level. But um, anyway, <laughs> um, Bertuzzi is just like, uh, it was. He was. I don't know. I just was watching highlights of him, and he was just absolutely astounding. So I definitely think Tabor deserves his flowers, and he, you know, he was a great player for the Vancouver Canucks, and that's why I was so happy when, then, the fiftieth se- season, and he came back, and he received a standing ovation, and he received, um, was. It was, it was imperative to see the guy that, you know, was a fan favorite. The people had a song about him. These guys wrote a song about Todd Bertuzzi. Um, it was just so important. Um, no, sorry, no, it wasn't. He was just an important piece at a time where this franchise took that step from being. And I talked about yesterday Nazem from being a perennial loser to a sustainable contender. And he was a part of that core that, of course, they didn't have the playoff success. But, you know, they did something special. They not only helped me become a hockey fan, but they put the Canucks in a prominent position in the NHL where they were winning division titles when that mean, meant something. When you know they were making all-star games, they were making the playoffs consistently. They were a team that was considered a cup contender. After years of just being a doormat, they brought the franchise back to relevancy. And I will always hold Todd Bertuzzi with Marcus Naz and Brendan Morrison, that whole West Coast Express era with such high regard because they allowed that next wave, that next generation of Canucks, the BXs, the Kesslers, the Burrows, the Sedins, that core to really explode because the Canucks, as I said yesterday, the Canucks were dirt at the end of the 90s. They were at the bottom, rock bottom. But Nazlin, Bertuzzi, Morrison, Crawford, Jovanovski, Oland, those guys built this franchise back up to a point where... It wasn't a laughingstock anymore. We, we weren't a losing franchise anymore. They were a perennial playoff contender. They had pieces. They had s- sustainable success. And that is what allowed this team to grow later on in the 2000s and then to the 2010s where they took off and became a legitimate, legitimate, the best team in the league. I don't care if they're doing the Stanley Cup. The Canucks in 2011 were the best team and should have won the Stanley Cup. Um, but that's to talk for another day. So. Todd Bertuzzi, during his time in Vancouver for that couple of years span for the West Coast Express, was one of the best forwards in the NHL and probably the best power forward. And therefore, he's one of the greatest Canucks who ever lived. Coming up after this final break... We'll talk about Bruce Brujo and how now it's a foregone conclusion that Bruce Brujo will be back as the Vancouver Canucks head coach. But first I want to talk to you about our partners at bet online who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL features Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. So, last bit of the show. Quickly, Mr. Bruce Brujo did a interview with Canucks Media, a Canucks Media report, and basically said that he expects to be back and he's going to iron some things out with the Canucks off front office in the next 10 days. And we will get an answer on whether Bruce Brujo will be back as head coach. And quite frankly, it looks now that he is going to be back. So what does that mean? going forward? Well, it means that a, he likes the Canucks roster. As he said in his quote, um, I forget who it was with, but it was with one. I think it was um, Rob Williams, I think. And anyway, you have to double check that. But, Boudreau basically said like he's got a solid relationship with the players in Vancouver, similar to what he had in Washington. So it's obvious that he likes the roster, he likes the players, and they love him too. It was evident of, a, of that. Um, but the Canucks are not going to offer him a contract. Obviously, they're going to let like, make him play it out, which I think is the wrong decision. I think you, would, I would even tack on a year uh, just so he doesn't have to answer questions on it. But then again, I'm not Francesco Ackley. I'm not writing the checks, and we all know money's a bit tight right now in Canucks land after the pandemic. So. I think um, with Boudreau staying on, it is you have your coach. Now you have to figure out what the goal is. Is the goal the playoffs? Is the goal, um, you know, rebuilding? I think with Boudreau coming back, it's a true sign now that they're going to go for the playoffs. And they should. Quite frankly, they should. Um, as I said before, we need playoff hockey back in the city, this province, and this team is good enough. This team is talented enough. I'm looking at the teams played right now in the playoffs. Canucks would wax LA. The fact that the Oilers don't have any defense or goalies is more proof of the magic. The Canucks would wax LA in a playoff series. Canucks are better than LA. I think the Canucks could even take Edmonton in a playoff series. It just, it's, I, I you think the Canucks can't do what Dallas is doing? Really? So, I mean, like, I think now that we see um, that Brugio is going to come back, that a, the playoff push is imminent. Now it's just you got to make smart decisions in the offseason. Whether that's trading Besser, is do you get a guy like Kuzmenko? How will he help with the top six? As I said yesterday, if Kuzmenko comes in, Besser's gone. He's gone. Now I know everybody wants him to trade Miller and stuff like that, but I don't think we have heard reports say that we're going to find out very soon whether JT Miller's contract is going to be up and quite frankly if I think he stays too I, I think he does cuz I don't think he's going to get what he wants anyway from any team because I don't think GMs will offer him I don't think GMs will be that offer him is whatever 8 9 million he's asking for or whatever he's asking for he's probably going to ask for nine ten million. 10 million he's probably going to get somewhere on 7 or 8 um so I think with Boudreaux coming back, it's now the wheels are in motion that you know a playoff push is coming. That's basically what I'm trying to say. With Boudreaux back, I think next year playoffs are the mindset. There is no rebuild, there is no hard reset or whatever the retool, it's playoffs or bust. And that's why I think from this team with Boudreaux coming back, it is playoffs or bust. So it's gonna be interesting to see what transpires in this offseason. Of course, I'm gonna be here every step of the way. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, check out Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup case, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other here. The latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's a free, it's free, excuse me, it's not a free, it's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Okay, guys, take care. Stay safe.